日本史学習に最高にもってこいのサイトサムライアーカイブスポッドキャストへようこそ美しい自然にあふれてる縄文時代から波乱万丈な幕末まで全時代を網羅して日本史の隅から隅まで一緒に語り合いましょうでは早速日本史の世界へはい。This concept of Bushido, like, I will do whatever it takes for my master because I am honorable and I fo- follow my honor to my death. Or, you know, what were they really, what, what was the real concept? What were they really thinking? But, you know, that aside, I, I think an interesting point too is, in a way, your human perception is reality. Which is to say, I would say, I'm、uh, just throwing out numbers here, total bullshit, but let's say 50% of your perception of reality is filtered through culture. And then let's say 20%, 10 to 20% is filtered through your own personal experience. And then let's say 20, 30%, give or take, is filtered through your, let's say, your religion or your lack thereof. Well, if you're a samurai, born into a samurai family during the Sengoku period, watching the men go off to battle, some coming back dead, some, in, or <laughs> some、mm-hmm. corpses returning from、yeah. the world, I suppose, some coming back mortally wounded, some coming back missing limbs. Some coming back healthy and ready to fight again, and you're surrounded by this every day. And the, the concept of seppuku, cutting your stomach open, the concepts of, of fighting, battle, all your, this is stuff that you're day to day to day you're dealing with. I think, in a way, you're going to come to accept it in a different way than someone like me or you would, where you, know, you put me in, in samurai army and put me on the field, and they say, okay, this is what you want, we want you to do. In a way, okay, I get it. We need to, I need to kill these guys so that this can you know, move things forward. But also, I have all this other experience in culture and, let's say, knowledge of the world and the universe and this and that, that different, different things than what the actual samurai would have had. So, my perception of reality is completely different than their perception of reality. So, yeah, yeah. we can't really, we can put ourselves in their shoes to, to an extent, but at the same time, we're, we're kind of fooling ourselves because. They're perceiving reality, reality differently. Yeah. Kind of the way、yeah. you'd look at like a, a, a straight up hardcore critical atheist would view views their actual physical reality versus a, a born again Christian views their actual physical reality versus how a samurai viewed their actual physical reality or a, a terrorist views their, their physical reality. The, they're, they're, the concept of reality is, is a pretty. I mean, that's a really deeply philosophical thing to touch、uh-huh. on, but it's, it, yeah, it, it, no, shapes, it's, it's it shapes their world. It, it shapes existence. The way you perceive the reality kind of shapes it for you. Yeah, and so maybe, like, if we were to use,、um, if, we ta- if we take your,、um, 
percentages. Really, basically, we have maybe 20%. We can, get, we can fathom maybe 20% of their of how they might have seen it. That 20% that is latently human. And we know that as humans, we all kind of want to live. You know, that, I mean, even when, even when people commit suicide, I think that there's like, okay, they would, part of them would want to live if X, Y, or Z. You know what I mean? Like, I, I think that humans, like all living creatures, have a sort of it, like genetic impulse to live. We don't necessarily want to get stabbed in the belly. Either by ourselves or some random Ashigaru <laughs> or what have you. Um, so, and I think, w like, we understand fear. I, I think, you know, we can relate on that level. But yeah, as far as their reality, the reality of being a, a samurai or an Ashigaru in the 16th century in Japan, as you say, I, I think it's, it would be ludicrous to imagine that we could really put ourselves in their shoes and, and say, oh, I figured it out. I, I know what these guys were thinking, pro-con or otherwise. I, I, I guess I don't know, I, I, honestly. Well, you know, the Japanese historians kind of have a, have a take on it, which makes sense. And, you know, the, as an aside, I don't even know, do you think it's more, it, 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 the, the opinion of a Japanese historian is more valid than anyone else's because they're Japanese? I would almost, in a way, I would almost say no, because they're the result of the Edo period. They're not even a result of the Sengoku period. They're, 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 so the Japanese of today are kind of the result of the, the Edo period Japanese, which, yeah. is, which I think is a totally different animal, but right. and, for and what that's worth, I don't even know if that makes any sense. Oh, it just yeah. kind of seems to me that that they would understand, they'd have a better understanding of the Edo period, because modern Japan, in a way, is sort of a reflection of the Edo period. Yeah, it's an interesting, it's an interesting uh, concept, because I think it's like, uh, let's say if, if me and you, simply by being dint of being human being, human males, since we are talking, we're not touching on the lives of, of the, the females at that time. Which, uh, which is about them anyway. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know. Don't! <laughs> we'll have to edit that out. Oh, jeepers. <laughs> Um, since since we are talking about the the, the men who fought battles, um, if we can again simply by being human males, we can maybe in, intuit get maybe on the outside twenty percent of of the mindset of a samurai. Maybe if you're in Japan today, maybe thirty percent. <laughs> you know, if that because as you say, the Japanese of today. Well, they're living on the same ground as these guys, but again, yeah, they had 250 years of the Edo period, and then they had the, the ridiculousness of Imperial Japan, right. and the war, and then you had MacArthur and Uncle Sam marched in there and, re and utterly re-engineered their society, and now, today, you've got the Japanese of today, um, which are practically as divorced from the Sengoku period, I would argue, as we would be from, you know, if not more divorced from the Sengoku period than we would be from the Revolutionary War. Yeah, I want to get back to this, but real quick, the, what I was actually getting to was the, the not, not to get off subject, but this is kind of where I was going with it, was the, uh, the, the Japanese historians, at least one of the ones that I read, basically was talking about how they had an awareness that they were going to die, but they weren't seeking it. But there was utility in their death. Or, or I should rephrase that to say, they, they were look they were, if nothing else, they wanted utility to, be, utility to be taken from their death. So basically, it was all about 
their name. If they die valiantly, their name lives on, which reflects well on their family, reflects well on their children, reflects well on their clan. Which, like I said, going back to the start, if perception is reality, and, and ultimately your perception of life is, one of your goals is to forward your family and forward your clan, then that's not so unreasonable. Uh, of course they're not seeking death, but they're looking to do glorious deeds so that if, if, if it happens that they do get their head taken, uh, at least anyone who witnessed it will be like, wow, that, was, that, guy, went, that guy went well. You know, I bet his son would be just as good as a warrior as, as him. I want someone from his stock. I'm going to take on his son as a vassal. Or, or you know, something along those lines. And, and that's kind of the impression I get from the Japanese modern historian's take on it is it wasn't Bushido and it wasn't I'm going to seek death and I've accepted my death and I'm going to die in battle and, and that kind of thing. It was if, you know, I'm going to do my best so that if I die, God forbid, or gods, or Kami forbid, <laughs> yeah, I die, yeah. it will reflect well on my family, my children, and my clan. And I think, in, in again, it's sort of a hard concept for someone who hasn't really pondered it, like I have. No, <laughs> no but I mean, the, just sort of the perception of reality. If that's your perception of reality, that the ultimate sacrifice or the ultimate goal is to raise your family name, then... That makes perfect sense to me. Yeah, and, and you know, it's it's actually something that a, a British officer in previous centuries would have identified with. That it's like, well, you know, you, you don't want to die, but you know, damn it, if you must die, then you know, die well. Lad. Make a good show. Of it, make boy. a good show of it, lad. <laughs> um, so it, it's really not it's really not an alien concept. It's it's really not far fetched at all. I, I think it's again. I think that's something that that the notion that it's like well, if you must die in battle, make it a good death. I think that's something that a lot of cultures, again, including the English, the imperial English and British Empire. Yeah, when it comes Empire, to battle, that's that is sort of a universal concept. Yeah, that, and and I think that in in the case of the samurai, maybe it was especially. Mm, it was especially important. Well, of course, the goal, uh, the the ultimate goal, is to survive and and better your own position. Yeah. But I yeah, think you're gambling. I mean, it, it's like yeah. If you're if you're whether you are a British officer fighting in the colonies or you are a, a samurai, you go into battle. It is a gamble to some extent. It's like the more you stick your neck out, the more notoriety you're going to gain. The more likely you're going to have your neck chopped off. Your head chopped off your neck, I should say. So, it, that I, I th that I think is maybe maybe every samurai when you went into battle, you were sort of playing that gamble, basically. It, it, you know, it's like, look, do I play it safe and just okay? Maybe I don't make a name for myself, but me and most of my my peasants go home. Uh, you know, gotta go on to fight another day. You know, go on to fight another day. Or do you? Yeah, do you ride out front and and lay about you and and you know, risk getting your head cut off, um, but maybe you get noticed by somebody. I, it's hard to say. And of course, another thing we're talking about the evolution of samurai warfare. The you know, the opportunities to distinguish oneself really started to diminish after the the rise of the mega armies under Nobunaga. True. Yeah. The larger the uh, yeah. the larger the, the the bigger the body of men around you, the harder it would be to. I mean, you'd really have to do something pretty impressive to stand out at that point. Right, and, and, and most of them had marching orders saying, look, don't ride out alone. Don't 
basically don't try to distinguish yourself as individuals you're part of a bigger army etc etc you know that the sort of activities that in previous times would have specifically been attempted to gain notoriety were sort of prescribed by them interestingly enough so it gets a little harder to sort of i mean even even in this even in this subject you see a divide between the later Sengoku era, era, if you can even call it the Sengoku, and the earlier part, you know, it's it's almost a little harder to understand. Like you feel like by the time of Hideyoshi, your motivation was basically brute force. You know what I mean? It's yeah. like, well, Lord Hideyoshi says you go fight. Well, you damn well go fight. You're you're not even there to necessarily distinguish yourself. You're just there because you have to be. And there's so many guns. That the likelihood of you riding out and doing something cool and not getting your head blown off your shoulders is pretty slight. So, um. well, I mean, kind of like we mentioned before too, the Japanese have always had this sort of love affair with failure, sort of the the nobility of failure. Yeah, where you know even the guys that that tried epically and failed are, are just as revered as the guys that tried epically and actually won so right it is like a like a spirit of fatalism you know where where even in which is almost a reflection of the the guys who would you know go to battle with the mindset of either i'm going to look damn impressive and and win or i'm going to look damn impressive <laughs> and die. i'm going to be a good looking corpse <laughs> or or not but at least my family will be well off afterwards yeah, <laughs> yeah i mean there was and it's hard to say how much of it's apocryphal and how much is real, but there's certainly numerous instances of uh, of samurai making sure that they looked good. You know, they did their hair up well and, and applied oil and scent and everything. So that in the event their head was chopped off, they would present a good spectacle. That's true, yeah. Um, afterwards, which is... And this isn't to say that there weren't cowards and, and oh, well, they, backstabbers, you know. and I mean we had we had three into three entire podcasts dedicated to this early on, but uh, yeah, this is this is uh, you know don't 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 let it be said that we ignored the the, the scoundrels. No, and, and yeah, history. to touch to touch back on something I mentioned earlier in this podcast. Look, the majority of battles did end with one side or the other losing and running away. Now, maybe it was an orderly running away. <laughs> maybe they didn't just throw their spears down and head for the hills. But at some point in most of these battles, at least prior to the rise of Nobunaga, one side or the other gave up and, and, and said, we're not going to do it. We, you know, we give up. We're leaving. And, and either fled or hastily, hastily left. Hastily advanced in the opposite direction. Yeah, hastily, yeah they fought in another direction, <laughs> away, from, away from the enemy. <laughs> And so, again, uh, I think the reality was when, when you actually got, this is my kind of theory on my thought about it, this is from that 20% of, of being able to draw on basic collective human nature. I think that when samurai were sitting back in the castle or their estate or whatever, um, I think they talked about concepts of, glorious death and battle and honor and everything I think they I'm sure they probably talked about it and they and, and they vowed that they'd never disgrace themselves and they would do this and they would do that I think on the day of battle when all right it's like you've marched into fucking Sagami province and they made their plans you know they, they knew what they were gonna do at that point you know like you well yeah when you march in and there you are you're on the field 
there's some other guys who kind of want to kill you, and battle starts. I don't think there's a lot of thinking. I, I don't really think. I think that you're at that moment you're caught up in events. That it, you know you're all right. Well, I got to go move here. Okay, what's going on over there? I, 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 I oh, there's a guy right in front of me, and you kind of slash at him. I, I don't think that there's. I think that the, on the day of battle itself, I don't think that most of these men are pondering how best to how best can I glorify my name on this occasion. I almost think they get, thinks that's when shit gets real, and they're like, okay, today we're probably screwed. So I'm going to just kind of do my token duty. Right. Exactly. Or, you know, they, you know, they yeah. or you know, they. I think they make. I think. They, they they may say whatever they're going to say, but when it really comes down to it, when when they arrive at the battlefield and they see the guys across the field from them, that's that's when shit gets real. And that's when they that's when they make the that's when the real decisions are made. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I think you know that, and, and 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 I think that as in every war, the greatest acts of heroism are are spur of the moment. I I, I think that. Uh, um, when they when they would actually distinguish themselves, probably there wasn't a lot of premeditation to it. <laughs> I think it was, oh crap! I see an opportunity here. There's an opening in their line. I'm going to charge in there and lay waste. You know, I'm going to run me down a whole bunch of peasants, and they go in there. And you know, I, I, I don't. I I think yeah. I think that there was probably amongst the samurai what you Napoleon would have called uh, two o'clock two o'clock in the morning courage. Um. Where, you know, when you're sitting in camp and you're drinking your sake or you're back in your comfortable, well, <laughs> no life in Japan in those days was comfortable. But your reasonably <laughs> comfortable estate or manner, I, I think you drank and you talked about honor and distinguishing yourself and how you didn't fear death. But yeah, I think shit got real when those arrows or bullets started whizzing past your head. And, uh, you know, it came down to luck. I think I think you have to say it came down to luck at the end of the day. Well, I figure if you've been through ten or fifteen battles, that there you 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 have a little more control over yourself and and the situation. But yeah, in generally speaking, yeah. Yeah, and if I think if you've survived ten or fifteen battles, it's you have to assume you survived them because you're not really mm, the whole dying gloriously to aggrandize your your surviving family is probably <laughs> not a high on your list of priorities. You are, if nothing else, a pragmatic man in the field. Yeah. But uh, well, you know. Also, I think I think we should discuss it too. Sort of a different, it was a similar topic, but not battle, but actual seppuku or harakiri or belly cutting. Because you know, one thing we're uh, again we recently watched uh, harakiri, Death of a Samurai, the uh, the new 2011 version. We'll probably actually do a podcast on that and the old one here at some point. But you know, one one has to wonder when it all comes down to it, and you're you you're wearing your white kimono and you have the knife in front of you. What what possesses these guys to just say fuck it and just cut their stomach rather than freak out and run away? Uh, especially uh, even in battle, like in the in the case of they're in the middle of a battle, they're like, okay, we're fucked. I'm gonna cut my cut my stomach open, take my head, and run away. You know what what possesses them to do that rather than run away? Now, what I think, based on based actually mostly on our discussion here and just a little thought, you know, beforehand, is that. You know, unlike to, I think in a way today nowadays you, you kind of never really think it's over even even when it's over you don't you don't really accept it and I think I think again based on sort of their perception of reality when it really comes down to it and you're there and you've got the knife in your hand it kind of comes down to okay this is the end I can either just stab myself or I can freak out 
Either way, I'm going to die. That's it. Either way, I'm dead. Yeah. So, therefore, because this because I'm going to die either way, I better just make a good show of it. Because yeah. what choice do I have? Yeah, and and there were plenty of references to men who freaked out at the last minute and had to be held down and basically <laughs> beheaded and kind of embarrass themselves. If you can really, I don't know. It's hard to me when you're stabbing open your own stomach and pouring your entrails out into your lap. It's like what disgrace seems like a strange <laughs> word to apply there. But you know they disgraced themselves because at the last moment they realized life was precious and didn't feel like cutting open their guts. <laughs> Um, yeah, yeah, I think so. Yeah, I agree. I, I, it's like at that moment, it's like, well, shit. <laughs> plus, uh, so many people did it. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's like I mean, pure kinda, pressure, suicidal pure pressure. Yeah, well, I mean, we talked about it, but it's kind of like I don't, I don't know. I mean, maybe there is, maybe a listener is screaming the answer at us, and we're not hearing it. But I don't really know of another culture that has a a ritualized suicide, uh, such a peculiar, specific one specific ritualized way of killing yourself in specific situations yeah i mean maybe there are but i don't really know of any i'm not really aware of any yeah. because that's such a weird way to go when you it's think about like the, you know the typical the typical army you know the the general suicide is you have the pistol pistol in the head but that's just that well that's just purely utilitarian you know it's just well you put a gun to your head and just you, know, you eat it um the the the, the, the uh, yeah the, the whole ritual of seppuku is frankly bizarre. It's yeah, frankly and, and bizarre. it's like let's let's choose the most painful, most yeah. miserable, slowest way to die possible, while being the most, you know, grotesque. <laughs> yeah, that that. Yeah, I I I don't know. I mean, there's like stories of guys slitting their stomachs and then pulling their entrails out. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and you were considered like you know. Like, that guy's a man! Yeah, if, if you went, uh, you know, because the idea was, and just as for anyone who didn't know, when you commit seppuku, you drive the blade into the left side of your stomach. Not directly in, in not like in you middle, see in yeah. the movies. It's not like in, like in the movies where it's right in the middle. You stab yourself kind of at an, an oblique on the left side of your gut. And then you pull cut, it across. Cut it across the Cut stomach, it across. And pull it up at the end. Yeah, then you twist it. Yeah. And then you cut up. So you basically, uh, a, a sort of an L on its side, if yeah, you will. And you're literally disemboweling yeah. yourself. And you're literally disemboweling yourself. And the longer you can go without screaming out in pain, and you can make it all the way to the end before nodding to your second, your kaishaku, to cut off your head, the more, I don't know, Posthumous, <laughs> posthumous brownie points you get. Um, the more badass, the, the more the more posthumous uh, badass points yeah, you get. Um, and yeah, there and you had a second. Now it should be said that it it's hard to say how often, how far most of these went because there are plenty of references to, you know, guys who as soon as they cut the skin, the kaishaku, the kaishaku takes, kaish, kaish takes their head off. Um, there are other guys who didn't even have a kaishaku, so it. it I guess it, it, it. You know, there was no universal seppuku, really, but that was the idea. And the the obviously the the ultimate manly way is to do that and not have a second. But usually that would only happen if well you're the last guy, <laughs> you're the last guy living, and you know you had to cut your head. You're, you're, you know you've already been a second for the other guy. And you're the only one left in the castle, so you got to do that. But so an example of that actually is uh, during Tenmokuzan when uh, Oda Nobunaga basically uh, 
you know, terminated the Takeda, when, when the Takeda were finally terminated, uh, one Tsuchiya Masatsune basically acted as the Kaishaku for Takeda Katsuyori, and uh, after he killed him, he was, of course, the last man standing, and so he then basically uh, committed seppuku himself without a second. And uh, Tokugawa Ieyasu actually observed this, I, I don't know how he heard of it after the fact. I don't think he was standing in the room, but yeah, yeah. and then he's like, "That that man is is great and did his honor to the very end. He if he has a son, I want him to work for me." And he basically sent out a sent out sent out the call to find the guy's son, and then he eventually took him on as a vassal. So, right. which kind of goes back, uh, sort of a callback to what we're talking about yeah. about the name, you know. So that which kind of in a way justifies the the actions. Like maybe if I do this, then then some lord somewhere will hear about it and employ my children. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's because it's hard to say when you're talking seppuku, too, because it's sort of like, well, if you're in a position to commit suicide, things ain't going so well for you in life, generally. <laughs> um, you know, that like, pr presumably you fucked up, basically. You're either on the losing side, or you've broken some rules, or you've betrayed somebody. Like, you fucked up, basically. So, yeah, I guess really... Committing suicide as well as you could would probably maybe that would be the only slender thread of hope you would have for your surviving family. Mm. Um, that if you you know if you could at least die like a man, maybe as you say, maybe some benefit would accrue on your on your your poor pathetic widow and children. I mean, I don't know if they had a concept of history the way we do, whereas like my name will go down in history. You know, five hundred years from now, after they invent this thing called podcasts. People will be talking about yeah. my death on a podcast yeah. 500 I, years from now. Yeah, we even wonder about that. Like, you know, what they again, like, what, what are they even thinking about in terms of posterity? It's like, well, maybe I'll get mentioned in the clan records. I, I you know, I, I, you know, you, you'd have to say that they must have been thinking more or less in the immediate term. Yeah, I feel like, because yeah. I feel like for, you know, again, perception being reality, for any average westerner at this point in 2014 if if you're in a situation where you know oh the the walls are being broken down and and your last resort is to commit seppuku it's kind of like i'm gonna die anyway why do why the hell would i want to cut my stomach open why yeah. don't i just go down fighting fuck that yeah <laughs> yeah yeah right so <laughs> yeah that's it's like, are you fucking kidding me? I have a sword. Why don't I just fight and let them cut me down? Yeah, like let them, let them. You know, why, why, why make it easy on them? Exactly. God, why, why in God's name would I cut my stomach open and spill my entrails out onto the floor when I could just fight, and and you know, go down fighting? So you know, again, it's it's this sort of a different mindset. It's a different time, and and you know, I think again, I made up the numbers, but generally speaking, we can only really understand by putting ourselves in someone's their shoes. <laughs> A certain percentage of, of what they really perceived as reality. I mean, you know, thousands of years ago, people perceived that they, you know, the 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 they they pounded the drums to the gods to make the make the the pumpkins grow. So they had something to eat, you know, yeah, yeah. shit like that. Or the 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 gods were angry. That's why my child has a disease, and that's why my last three kids were mauled right, by bears. Right. So I mean, yeah. you know, and and it's perceptions that we can only understand on an intellectual level but we can't actually understand right. because that's that's that was their that was reality for them yeah and that, that's a that's that's a reality that we really can't perceive yeah like you take about okay you know you can watch the sopranos and you can watch the godfather but to, to understand why a mafioso would do what they do you really kind of would have to be a mafioso 
You know what I mean? Like it, it's it, 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 so even even in our current time, you know, to or to understand what it would be like to be a president or a prison guard or a prisoner for that matter. Like your whole sense of concept of reality would be different from I don't know two dudes on a podcast and <laughs> you know. Um, so when you when you're going back to to 16th century Japan and and just an utterly different world, like we forget about it, how utterly different that world is. You know, I mean, it scarcely need be said. No electricity, no proper medical care communication is word of mouth no social media yeah no social media social media is like the blind um, um, storyteller coming to your village <laughs> that's social media and, and maybe he heard something about what happened at the next village and he'll give you some news that, no, no space telescopes no concept of disease no concept of living on a, on a, a, a sort of spherical rock that orbits the sun you know no 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 large-scale concept of anything yeah I mean and, and it's it's always forgotten it's never mentioned in modern Japanese popular culture with the samurai like the taiga and so forth that these are superstitious people like these are still guys who are like okay we shouldn't march out this day because it's inauspicious <laughs> you know um, they still consulted astrologers and so forth um, I mean, they really did believe, I mean, I don't know if all of them did or not, but many of them really did believe in the favor of, of the gods are mad at us, basically. <laughs> you know, it's like we need to, you know, we need to not get the spirits pissed off. I like So we're talking like in almost every conceivable way, this was a different reality. I think Nobunaga was the one guy who was like, Fuck the gods! Yeah, and, and that kind of got him in the end, I suppose. <laughs> yeah, the gods, the gods manifested in the form of Kechi Mitsuhiri. Um, <laughs> Uh, yeah, so we, it, it would have been, as you say, I don't know. I don't. I think we kid ourselves. Uh, having having all of the, having said all that we've said, at the end of the day, we kid ourselves. I think to to imagine that we can really fathom the mindset of the 16th century warrior. Like, we can extrapolate some theories based on surviving documentation, and as you say, that 20 percent of sort of human, shared human experience, but beyond that, yeah, these guys are a mystery. And that's, that's all I got. <laughs> all right, good. All right, and that's it for this episode. Hopefully you enjoyed it, because we sure did. But, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, yeah, 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 yeah. It was, it was, it was a bundle of laughs. It was, it was a bundle of joy. <laughs> So anyway, uh, tune in in about two weeks for yet another Samurai Archives podcast. In the meantime, please, if you haven't done so already, subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or on Stitcher. And listen. don't just listen, but subscribe. And that will push us to the top of the heap of Japanese history podcasts because it's a, it's a, it's a large battlefield of podcasts. I know there's, there's many, many, many podcasts on Japanese history, and you've chosen ours among the ocean of podcasts dealing with Japanese history, which we appreciate, but we really need you to go ahead and press that subscribe button, and then that will push us above and beyond everyone else, the, the numerous yeah, <laughs> Japanese history yeah, podcasts. Yeah. So anyway, uh, in the meantime, if you would like to somehow contribute to the podcast and keep the lights on, uh, please feel free to use our Amazon.com link to make your Amazon purchases. That will kick back just a tiny bit to us, which will help pay for the podcast. And to the oh, and to those of you who have actually donated to um, help maintain this podcast, you're a great, 
my greatest appreciation. Yes, thank, thank you very much. It's uh, it's all, every every little bit helps. And uh, if you don't shop on Amazon.com for God knows why, uh, you can also uh, PayPal us money directly. It, every like I said, everything helps out. Uh, you would send a PayPal donation to samuraipodcast at gmail.com. And also, if you don't want to contribute money directly or shop on Amazon, you can also shop on the aforementioned Cafe Press shop, where I originally bought my Ronin coffee mug, and which I highly recommend. Two thumbs up. And uh, you can also go to the Samurai Archives bookstore directly if you don't want to deal with it. Well, I guess I should say if you want to find all of your Japanese history needs without going and searching randomly on Amazon, you can go to the Samurai Archives bookstore, which links to all of the Amazon books, uh, which I have hand-chosen for you, uh, which are all Japanese history-related books and movies. And if you have any questions, please send them to samuraipodcast.gmail.com or hit us up on Twitter at Samurai Archives or hit us up on Facebook. And so this is Chris for Forrest saying, I bet Ronda Rousey is arm barring Sarah McMahon right now. Well, or maybe, maybe she already did. She must have already done it. We'll find out tomorrow. Yes. Bye bye. Free Yoshi. You're so hungry. Help me. <laughs>